0: So we have to have
1: a translator for
0: this. Well, I can almost act as a translator because I'm from like North Midlands, yeah, so <laughs> I'm kind of the the branch between all the southerners right. and, and you. Um, but I've I've hit record, so we're we're going, which is what it is. It's a casual chat. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of it. <clears throat> um, anybody that's listened to any previous episodes will know that that's the whole idea. Yeah.
1: That's what I like about
0: it. So don't feel like there's any pressure to be proper. Oh,
1: no. I'm from, I'm from, yeah, I can't be proper. It's not, not in my nature. That's all
0: right. So for anyone listening that has never been up north, um, I've got a northerner that is more northern than I am. So all my southern friends who call me northern, I'm just pretending. I still say grass and bath, so that, that qualifies. <laughs> um, I've got Alex Denham, who is a fantastic motorsport photographer I'm going to go with, because that's predominantly the work that I see from you is motorsport. Yeah. Um, but a photographer nonetheless, even though it's sport, and not just portraits and all yeah. those things that most people would associate. And the challenging work of moving things.
1: All the fun stuff.
0: But it's way more interesting. <laughs> um, but you are... Well, I have one question on this podcast. Who are you and what do you do?
1: So, I'm Alex, and as Lewis already mentioned, I'm very northern, if the accent didn't give it away. And I am a full-time motorsport photographer and I dabble in other sports and anything car related really because I'm a massive petrol head at the base of it
0: yeah which explains the car that you drive
1: yes my um, sometimes yes not today sadly but yeah I've got um, a 1986 plate e30 um, which is my absolute baby do anything with that car. She just got her on the road so I'm picking her up this week and going to take her on the country and enjoy her a little
0: bit. Amazing. So people might be able to hear some of the background noise. Perfectly timed. We are sat at the motorist on coffees and cars day, which is a nice thing to do. It's nice to be up here on a day that I have some association with, but it does also mean that there are cars about, and yeah. despite their best efforts. Nobody <laughs> leaves quietly. Um, so there might be some background noise, but hopefully not too much to detract from the chat. So, as you said, you've got E30. I do. Now, what I found out earlier, which really impressed me, is that you've done a lot of like the welding and stuff yourself on that.
1: Yeah, I've done a fair bit on it. Um, I was quite lucky when I bought it. Um, I got it quite cheap because she needed a full paint job um, and had quite a lot of damage. But luckily, the guy that I bought her off had done a lot of the weld, like the major welding, because she'd been sat for ten years on a driveway, right. not driven, not covered up. So as you can imagine, the British weather had not been too kind. Um, took out the notorious for rust, um, so literally the bottom half of the doors would just snap off. So he had had to weld everything, everything. back on. Um, so there was only a few little bits and bobs that needed doing, um, which I managed to do when I first got her. Done a bit of rewiring, um, engine work, and then finally had her resprayed last year so and had a bit of engine work done so she's pretty much all brand spanking apart from the interior now
0: so she'll be a much better nick than our little Renault she's so in, when, she's when in you... much
1: better nick than her owner these days yeah
0: <laughs> that's the thing I, it, you have to have the passion and the dedication for these cars oh, 100% um, otherwise there's no point doing it like it's hard yeah. to that'll have been a golf
1: yeah that's um, definitely that's definitely golf, golf arm too right? yeah
0: um is what it is. <laughs> Welcome to a British car meet. It's golf bars, farting all the way down the road. I hate that farty sound. Yeah, Anybody that's out. listening with a golf r, please remap that out. Get that removed because it's such an annoying sound.
1: Yeah, lovely looking cars. I'm like, great, great. great, great
0: fantastic little things.
1: The noise,
0: not so much. We came back from somewhere. I can't remember it was an event or a show or something like that. In the 86, the other week. And we were a mile and a half away from home. There's a series of like roundabouts that yeah. you can string together and maintain like right, yeah, yeah. good pace if you can drive. Half of the people on the roads on there cannot take these roundabouts at all, so I end up kind of passing quite a lot of cars. Yeah. And inherently, you get some knob that's like takes offence to being passed. And yeah, it was a kid in a Golf GTI, mm-hmm. and I overtook him and disappeared. And he then was sat up my ass on the dual carriageway. I was yeah, like, I I'm not driving quickly. I can just maintain the speed. Yeah. So I wasn't trying to race him, I just wanted to get through the roundabouts because it's quite a fun, because a, there's a twin set, yeah, yeah. so you get one bit of your carriageway and another, yeah, and you just... can really kind of string them together. And then we hit a set of roadworks, and he sat right up the back of me with that brrrr farty sound, like waiting for the light to change. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why you're doing launch control, mate.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm in a GT86 that doesn't have launch control or that much power, and I'm not going to pull off quickly. they so you do the nice
1: little roll as well up to the line, like they like to do? Just so it turns green, so they can Oh no, it was it. single file. Single We'd file come off the dual coach, so
0: he was stuck behind me no matter oh. what. So he, he had no choice but to, uh, to stay behind me. And then we got onto a bit of country lane and he couldn't keep up anyway. Oh. I was like, so what's the point? You make all that noise, can't drive.
1: It um, ceases to amaze me.
0: It's great, I, <laughs> love, I love the car world, but it does have its moments. It's moments the best part is driving an old car and you've probably found this in your E30 yeah if you overtake someone in an old car that they're not expecting yeah oh my god is that rewarding
1: yeah I think it's pretty mixed as well because like I've obviously not driven too much because of Covid and everything because um, I was in restoration at that point but when I took it out to Silverstone in 2019 you've got the half that think it's really cool and anyone with a classic car that goes past you yeah, kind of gives you that, that little wave that yeah. all, all the classic enthusiasts do and then you'll get some that kind of are in their like, brand new BM or something, and you're kind of cruising around them just not to, not to for any reason, just because you're trying to maintain speed. And you pull back in, and it just really pains the, the and even. then they
0: have to boot past yeah. you. Yeah,
1: and I'm just there cruising along like fine. I don't, really <laughs> it's <care."> work <laughs> to keep it at 70. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm trying exactly to race, it's really noisy in here.
0: it's <laughs> yeah. so so rewarding, like on like a country lane or something like that. Oh, yeah, it? especially it's, in our Renault because yeah. it's a 1.1. If you keep up or pass anyone in that thing, yeah, it, oh, it's so it's like delicious. Cause and that double roundabout is the perfect spot for yeah, it as well because it's uphill if you're coming from the motorway towards home but it's downhill the other way um, and in that Renault beautiful. that's in your you, you can only get speed downhill but if you pass people there in that yeah. oh, it's, and because it's technically three lanes there's enough space to kind of overtake yeah. midway through the roundabout so you kind of you can weave through a couple of cars Yeah. and Grace was following me the other day when we picked it up because it refused to start at a show so we were bringing it back and yeah. she was like you snuck into a gap that disappeared so I couldn't keep up with you I was like that's the fun part because it's a, tiny a greenhouse car, it? as well so you can see every blind spot <laughs> just, oh there's a space it's brilliant
1: the only thing with ether is she's quite big obviously they're quite square cars so I've got to yeah. be careful with but the one good thing is I can see the front and end of it quite. Yeah, big. yeah. it's very boxy so. wow. but she's quite low so I've got to be careful with what I do have with have you it.
0: done anything to lower it any further?
1: Yeah, because obviously, no Taurus Leafer is um, are pretty much on stilts out there when you buy them. So yeah. I just dropped her. Um, she's on like lowering springs, about four inches, just so about she's like
0: four inches. Mm. Normally, that's discussed in millimeters. Mm. So I had forty millimeter lowering springs on the eighty six before it's I got lowered. Yeah, yeah she's four inches <laughs> is ten centimeters. Yeah,
1: it's quite low. <laughs> um, but obviously, because there was such a big arch gap, she still sits pretty much mm. at standard height. Now it's just obviously the exhaust quite low on them. Yeah. So I've got to be very careful, and they've got quite. She's got quite a big front splitter, so just stock. So I've got to be very careful with that because either way into our kind of villages and obviously of in Sheffield, and things like that, you've got speed bumps everywhere. So yeah, it, it Hits people love behind me on speed bumps. But it's, I uh,
0: I know exactly what it's like, yeah. especially in the 86. And the worst yeah. ones are those little like prism shaped ones.
1: See, we've got Barnsley area when I'm driving through there. They love a good plastic speed bump. I
0: hate them. Because with a full-size speed bump, you yeah. can just kind of go slow and then you can go over yeah. it. With those prism ones, you don't know what it's going to hit in the middle of the no. car. So you can't, If in a normal car, you just cruise over yeah. it. In anything low, you just, you go over it waiting for the sound.
1: Although recently, I think someone had, must have got just as fed up as either of them because I drove through there the other week and there's just bolt holes in the floor now.
0: Someone ripped one off.
1: Yeah. i thought about it a few times, but you know, i try and keep on the right side of the law. So. Yeah,
0: probably for the best. <laughs> like, I, uh, I had a trip down to London it'd be over a year ago now to see to get the stickers done on the door of the 86 because a friend of mine was doing them and he he rang me when I was on the way down he went do you mind uh, nipping me to hear car parts I was like no why not and he's like I've ripped the sump off my car on a All speed right. bump in London so he'd gone over he'd come up to a speed bump and there was like a pothole in front of it so he'd like bounced into the pothole and then hit the speed bump and it just smashed his sump to bits. So then we had a 45 minute drive through London to Dagenham. Yeah. Oh no, it wasn't Dagenham, it was Brixton to Eurocarpots. It's a a sump gets ripped off, isn't
1: it? No, he was not a happy <laughs> chap.
0: And he's got a Mark II Golf with a 1.8 T engine in it. Nice. So it's, love my, I love Mark II. It's not a standard fit. No. It's just a pain. But yeah, the joys of old cars and lowered cars. We and love cars rail, And speed bumps and things like that.
1: It's a good job we love really really.
0: So, <laughs> how did you get into photography?
1: Back on track. This is, never, this is never a story anyway, i actually really to talk about, so it's quite nice when uh, to take a trip down memory lane. Um, no, when I was... Oh, I'm oh. up. Another golf. Golf, yeah. And, um, Funny,
0: I didn't see that many golfs in the car park, and now they're all there. I know, they knew we were doing this. Um, oh,
1: then that's hopefully the last one. Yeah, so when I was at college, I kind of, I was never one of them kind of teenagers that kn- knew what they wanted to do. Um, yeah. I was like very academic and you know I did quite enjoy like writing things but I didn't really want to do it as a job but I've always been quite creative like I loved drawing when I was a kid. Yeah. So I was kind of torn between two kind of paths so at college I studied, did my A-levels and I did like English, art, uh, photography um, and then through the photography part of my A-levels I, I kind of found something I was like oh this is actually interesting, we did old film cameras um, really just enjoyed that side of it um, so I left after a year because I just realised the A level side really wasn't I wasn't happy with it um, and went to Wakefield College um, which did like a Tech diploma just in photography which is like three A levels yeah um, obviously I didn't really at that point I, I was interested in it but I still didn't really know what I wanted to get into I've always been interested in cars my mum loves cars that's why I'm into them yeah um, she's always had classic BMs, like she's had an annoyingly good range of cars over the years. I'm not <laughs> giving me any of them, but, you know. I'm really sure she was like...
0: proud when you got the E30, though. Oh,
1: yeah, she cried when I turned <laughs> up on that. Cause she, that's, that was her car. That She's um, one of her first cars. She loved, she loved that car. Right. Um, in, like, the old Henna Red. She, she loves that. Nice. Um, so when I got mine, she's... Um, I've got a nice little tribute number plate for her. Um, but, yeah, she loves that. So I've always been interested in cars, but never really thought of it as, like, a career path. Um, but thankfully, this course I was doing... It was fantastic because it kind of you had a mo- two years, but a module on everything. So we had like a month on property photography. So I went and did some show homes, um, studio, portraiture, uh, product, uh, landscape, a bit of everything. So it really was not all around. It taught you a bit of everything. So when you left that course, you had quite a good skill set. Yeah. And then in the second year, um, we had a course module on sport photography. Which at that point I was like, no idea what to photograph here. I never shot sport in my life. Love sport, but never really thought of it. Um, and at the time my mum had a 850 BMW. Nice. Very nice car. She loved loved that car, I loved that car. And um, she had like a specific mechanic that worked on all ABMs, because he was a specialist in that. And she was quite good well friends with him. So at the time I think I went along just to take a few photos of their cars, just as a general practice thing. And he had just happened to have like a 750 CC race car in that his friend was running. Nice. Um So just like for general track days and things like that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it was now, but just kind of, you know, the ones that you kind of take to your test days in the middle of the week. And my mum had mentioned the course work to him, and it, you know, my f- mum's friend said, oh, well, we're taking it up to Croft next week in Darlington, so do you want to come along? Obviously, it's a test day, and back then, you didn't really need special passenger You could come on the pit lane on the test days, so. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, come and stand on the pit wall, get some photos, pass your course. So we did that, uh, my mum took me up that day, and I remember standing on the pit wall, and I've still got the first photo I took, on there, did my first pan, and literally there and there, oh no, another one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think, Jesus Christ. That was a Fiesta ST. No
1: comment, and then. <laughs>
0: yeah, we won't say much about that.
1: And then, um, yeah, literally I can still remember, that exact moment I took that photo and I managed to pan first time and I was just like, the feeling I got from that I and mean, I stood there, I was like, this is, this is it. And it's the first time I'd ever really done anything that kind of lit that spark in me and I was like, no, I really want to do this. Yeah. And from that moment on, I just choose, chose to pursue that.
0: And you followed it in you're seven years full-time now?
1: Yeah, so... I'm sure my mum's forgiven me for this by now, but when I was 19, um, that year kind of between that day at Croft and starting it I used to because I worked at Ikea at the time um, enjoyed it but obviously I, at that point I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do yeah. and I wasn't happy myself and I was getting quite depressed because I knew there was every weekend I wanted to be a bit of race circuit and my heart wasn't, wasn't there so yeah. any chance I got I'd commute down to race circuits any day off I had um, with my wages from Ikea and I'd just stand in the spectator areas and just shoot thousands of photos a day just so I could try and practice and get the skills set up um, I'd post them because I was like this is the only way you're going to be able to try and make this work um, yeah. and then through 2015 some of the touring car teams I used to go to quite a lot of touring car races at the start um, started to notice my work and one of the teams actually invited me along to do some work with them but at the time I think my workplace kind of got on the radar of what I was doing in my spare time, and it didn't sit well with them, so they stopped giving me weekends off. Um, but they were giving them off for people who wanted like nights out and things like that. So it became very hard for me because I was, I knew they didn't want me to go.
0: That's a wild concept that yeah. a company can force you to not work on yeah. your time, like exactly. So you can adjust just your rota. to yeah. Um,
1: but obviously, a company they didn't need the other people that were on nights out at weekends. So it got to a point where. I got up one day, because um, so the, the, the weeks leading up to that really was not happy, and at 18, 19, I was like, I shouldn't be feeling like this.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and 19-year-old me was a lot more fearless than fully 26-year-old me is, so you know that age, and you're, yeah, you
0: Yeah, you are indestructible at that age. Yeah, you?
1: and I was just very... I suppose I on, But I but at that point, I was very much like, fine, you know, what's working happens. happen? Fuck so, it, like <laughs> I was literally on the bus to work <laughs> that day. And I remember I wrote my notice on the bus, went in and was like, I'm leaving next week. Um, Cause at the time we didn't really have like a period of notice kind of thing. So you could just leave. Um, Cause I hadn't been there that long at this point. Mm. Um, so I did that and I, I still remember what I said. Cause I remember the manager looking at me and being like, this is a, this is a really stupid idea. And I remember just saying, I, st- I stand by it wholeheartedly to this day. Um, that I'd saved up a couple of months' wages at the time I was still kind of living at home, so I didn't have a lot of outgoings. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, I either try, you know, if I can't make this work on the money I've got in the bank, worst comes to worst, <laughs> I can get okay. another retail job. You know, I'm 19, I've got a lot of retail experience because I've worked since I was, like, 16. It's not the end of the world, and, you know, but I need to know what I've tried. Yeah. And that was the one thing that scared me and still does this day of regrets like I didn't want to regret that yeah um, so I walked out that day and yeah seven years later I'm still still doing still going, taking so. photos worked out alright <laughs> yeah
0: exactly and like it's one of those where it's that leap of faith in it oh yeah it That's went the in the right part. direction which is like pretty inspiring not to say that everybody should just go and quit their jobs no, like, no I wouldn't run take a, a bit that. of time <laughs> to plan yeah 100%. Like, I'm three years into doing this and I'm still not in a position where I could do it full time Yeah. but it's one of those where if you if you can work towards, because you spent a lot of your time preparing. Oh, yeah. It's not like you just no, went, yeah. I've got a camera now, bye. Yeah. There was that like I time mean, the before they of, tried to It'd be like over. two, or three
1: days a week for a year before that, I'd be commuting down, staying in hotels, buying tickets for the race for the weekend. And I would just, that was my life. Yeah. So I was putting a lot of, nearly all my wages into that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, people Most got, people
0: are saving for a house and you're going to Silverstone yeah, no, to take I just, photos. Yeah,
1: just cars was my uh, my thing. So, but I just I knew I needed to do it and I think again obviously things are different I suppose at that age where I didn't have the responsibilities yeah you know I didn't have a house I didn't have so I, I think if, you, if I was ever going to try and do it that was probably the perfect time to,
0: to yeah, do yeah yeah 100%
1: before uh, life brings on and adulthood brings all the responsibilities and fears in
0: oh it's it's a nightmare being a responsible adult I know if I'd have had this idea when I was 19 I'd have probably been doing it full time by now
1: yeah
0: but uh, good old adulthood S- just... such is life <laughs> you There's a a lot of, you have to take what you've got and work with it. Like, I had to live independently from when I was, like, 18. Yeah. So I didn't have the opportunity to stay at home and figure out stuff. I had to go, right, I've got to live. Yeah. To not be in a very shitty personal situation. Yeah. So you don't always get the chance. And it's great to see someone that's gone, well, I'm not going to get this chance twice. Let's, Let's bloody do it. I
1: think one thing I'm very grateful for is that... So but I remember ringing my mum on the way home that day when I handed my notice and I was like <laughs> and obviously being 19 years old I was like my mother is going to kill me when I say this but yeah. so I rang her and was like I've handed my notice and I think she instinctively knew why because she'd and I wasn't happy Yeah. and from that day it's the one thing I can hand, hand, say she's never once questioned Like she, from that moment she always had full belief in me that I could do it that's me. I've had a lot of wavering self-doubt over the years with my own mental health and, and things like other people have said and, you know, the criticism. So having that one constant yeah. kind of support there and the fact that she's never doubted me, has done wonders. And, you know, we've never, we've never had a lot of money and the financially I've kind of had to, you know, really work and do jobs in the background and, but I wouldn't have it any other way because I think the support's so much more valuable than the actual financial. Yeah, yeah it's motivated me to do it keeps it. you
0: going doesn't it? yeah and uh, i think it's it's something that i know before we'd ever spoken or met I'd say it's technically the first time we met because i wasn't there when you yeah. came over at catfest <laughs> you've been very kind of honest and open about like mental health yeah. and talking and saying like i'm having a shit time i'm coming off social media for a week to yeah. focus on me and stuff like that and it's always been really inspiring to kind of see someone go look um, putting my hands up and being honest about how I feel and how I think and when things aren't going great and it's not just the oh I'm at this racetrack oh I'm at this racetrack yeah. things are amazing I'm at a racetrack and it's it's great to see like a realistic perspective of someone that's oh, kind of you. getting more and more noticed within the world like the yeah. automotive world as well like,
1: thank you that means a lot it's not something that comes easy to me and I think in our industry especially it's still something that's quite taboo yeah Um because I'm naturally very, just because of things that in my childhood and things. And
0: well, we're not going into that. Well, this isn't a therapy session, oh, no, so don't no. worry. I'm That's not going to be saying, like, That's what I'm saying how does that really make you like, feel?
1: <laughs> no, <but laughs> you I'm, left a the therapist I'm, downstairs. Know, I'm quite introverted <laughs> like, with things like that anyway, so it, it kind of doesn't come naturally to me. But I think it got to a point where I was not seeing a lot of it, I think, in our industry especially. But I know behind the scenes a lot of people struggle with it because there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's quite a cutthroat industry in a lot of ways and I think it got to the point where I was like you know I can't be preaching to people and my friends and everything that they need to be you know open there's nothing to be ashamed of but then not doing it myself yeah it felt quite hypocritical so I've just kind of
0: well the, you've got the, the mantras t-shirt on today I have. which obviously you can't see through a podcast <laughs> um, but that t-shirt came about from that that's all the shit that I tell myself because yeah. despite what I worked in psychiatric hospitals and my other half is a psychologist and I'm the guy promoting talking more and more and more despite all of that it's still a hard thing to do it's still very difficult to get over your own kind of ego and be vulnerable yeah so that design came about from this is all the shit that I say and if I can say this to myself maybe other people will read it and say it to themselves but the one phrase that's missing off there is you're a massive hypocrite because not everybody's doing this, so it wouldn't be appropriate on a T-shirt. But it is a real big thing where it's like, you can't necessarily tell other people to, or oh, you should talk if things are tough yeah. or you should kind of get help if things are difficult and we should have this open ability to have bad days and be able to say I've had yeah. a bad day and then not do it yourself. Yeah. And one of the things that makes it hard for people within kind of the mental health industry is that self-perception that you can't be seen to be weak because you're the person that's helping yeah, the other people, possibly, yeah. and I'd lost someone because they were in that position, like they felt like they couldn't go and get help because yeah. they were the help. They were a mental health nurse., yeah. so that person inherently feels like they can't be on the other side of that coin because they have to be the one oh, it's going to take away all credibility from what I'm saying yeah. if I'm struggling. And it's very much a, quite a prominent thing for yeah. most people that are like quite open about it, yeah. or at least telling other people to be open about it, is you have to do it. It's okay for anybody to be like oh, in this vulnerable position. I saw a thing, someone at a director level within the NHS, yeah. got sectioned and spent six months in rehab for mental health and came through it. And she was like, absolutely, I'm going to talk about it. We, it should be normal that that's yeah. okay. It shouldn't stigmatise people.
1: Oh, no, 100%. I think especially if you're working in that industry, if anything, you're probably going to be more in need of it anyway because you're absorbing everyone's problems and taking yeah. it on, and you're naturally probably quite an empathetic person doing that kind of job. So if anything, you know, you're know, you going to need to talk a lot anyway. And I've always seen it as, like, you know, it's a very brave thing to do anyway, and I think it takes a lot of strength to... Stand in front of someone and say, I'm not okay, whether that be a friend, a therapist, family member I think that takes a lot more strength than holding it in
0: yeah i I, I agree I think it uh, it really does there's a lot of internal barriers to yeah. to doing it, and as i say when when I've seen you talk about it so not confidently, but you you've not hid, like shied away from saying, you won't be seeing me for the next couple of weeks yeah. because I'm doing this yeah. to look after myself, it's been really kind of inspiring to to just see that happening, there's no, like, need. It's not for anything other than that's what it is. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get so much attention for this and all yeah, those no. messages, oh, are you
1: okay? I'm yeah, no, do. It.
0: It's genuinely like, I'm just giving you a heads up.
1: Yeah, I'm very much a when I'm going through, as if I just switch off, that's kind of my... Yeah. Um, and I've really got to learn, I think, self-care the past few months. I suppose that's one of the benefits of COVID and the pandemic, that it gave me a lot of time to really sit back and kind of look at my coping mechanisms and how unkind I was to myself in a lot of ways. Yeah. I've um, learned to kind of, you know, really focus on the self-care side and just know when I'm getting a bit burnt out and really take that step back and just kind of.
0: And to like see the symptoms of like the different signs that, right, you need to take a minute, yeah. you need to have a bit of a break, um, you need to focus on you for a bit, that kind 100%. of thing. I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen for people in general about that sort of stuff because not everybody does notice it and it's normally a bit far gone by the time they do like oh this isn't right it's like you should have been in therapy six months ago (laughs) (laughs) what are
1: you doing i'm saying i noticed the exhaustion side from having really severe exhaustion i was like in hospital with it so it's you know it's that kind of like you said especially i think in a world where there's more and more pressure all the time and you've kind of really struggled i think to have switch off time in a world where we're constantly on phone phones everything's social media yeah and that kind of perfect highlight reel of everyone's lives that you see all the time you're constantly trying to chase something yeah, so yeah. i think oh, now, I, I get now it all more the time than ever well. actually having a break is really difficult but it's more important
0: than ever yeah in a lot of ways no i agree and i'm a pain in the ass for it myself like grace is always like can we have a weekend off please you've been to an event or a show yeah. or a meet or you've done something for the last 12 weeks in a row and now you're working nine to five take a weekend off and do nothing, (laughs) play on your Xbox and watch movies and eat crap and do nothing, and it's so difficult.
1: Oh yeah, I've had to really, I think it's only really, I'm nearly 27 now, so like in the last six months, in my 26th year of living, where I've really being okay with giving myself like a day off where if I want to sit in bed and just watch films all day and eat shit like yeah. that's fine because before I'd be constantly like it's sunny Alex you need to be outside I yeah. was well, a car event on today Alex you need to be at that and I couldn't give myself a day off
0: yeah and there's a lot of that that comes from being a teenager and like oh they're in bed all the time yeah and you get, kind of have that thing built in where like, oh you shouldn't be in bed and you shouldn't yeah. be doing nothing you should be out you should be enjoying life it's like Yes, but it's okay to sit and do nothing every once in a 100%, while. yeah.
1: It's balancing. If that's
0: every day, yes, you should probably have a... There's probably something else going on, and that's probably yeah. a symptom of, yeah. like, a depression or something like that. But, yeah, take a bloody day off, Jesus. Yeah. So on the never taking a day off side, that inherently means that you've been doing a lot of stuff.
1: I've been yeah, I've been fairly busy. Um I'm giving myself a I've given myself a month off at the moment. Um
0: and I've already got you to a cars and coffee meet and invited you to another thing next weekend. I know, I'm,
1: uh, I'm back on form now. And then I've got a week off for my birthday so I can I can chill again then. But yeah, so um gone back to this full time, um thirtieth of June, obviously after I'm in a couple of years out, um due to the pandemic and the palaver that, that caused. Um so done have done spa this year so far, just come back from Le Mans. Um so I've kind of
0: You've very underplayed Le Mans right there. Yeah. See, I know I'm not, the...
1: Sto- I'm, I'm not good at blowing my own trumpet, though, so, like, I'll just brush it under the carpet as, soon as I say So it, I
0: know this story to a certain <laughs> amount. But obviously, not everybody does. So I'm not going to let you just brush past... You know, I, just, I just went <laughs> to Le Mans. Tell me the story about Le Mans this year.
1: So it's a, it's quite a well-known thing that I've never... I've It's always evaded me every year. Um, so... My first year of working, um, I couldn't go because I wasn't well. And then 2017, something clashed. And it's the one race on my kind of bucket list career list that I made when I was like 19 that's evaded me every year. And then I got offered it in 2020, COVID hit. Yeah. And then this year, I kind of thought with all the travel restrictions and obviously we had all the... Um, the flight queues, and well. everything coming in, and Euro-tunnel was all clogged up, and I thought there's Alex, there's just no point. And I was still working a full time job from COVID at this point, I hadn't put the leap back into self-employment then. Um I think it was about four days before I got a call from um an amazing journalist I've worked with doing other events, and he was like, Oh, you know, what what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, nothing, you know, it's my mum's 70th, i but she didn't want to do anything because she hates celebrating. She's like me. So I was like, no, I'm just going to spend it at home. And he was like, oh, and he was like, well, Corvette, you know, um, I suppose their PR, they want, they want you to come out with me and, um, you know, shoot the man with them. And I was, at this point, I was in between stores at work, so I pulled over and I was like, sorry? <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, we they want us to pick up a Corvette from London and drive it over. And I was like, right. And, and, uh, I exploded because I would because I would have crashed at this point because so it, uh, it was a really hot day and I was feeling a bit delirious anyway, so I partly thought I was just hallucinating at that point. And he was like, so, you know, can you be free? And I was like, well, you know, it's my mum's birthday. I'll give her a quick read. I know my mum quite like, well, so I was like, I know what she's going to say. Um, so I got off the phone, rang my mum and was like, I know it's your birthday this week. I was like, but I've been given, like, you know, this opportunity. And she was like, Alex... She was like you've got to bloody go she was like <laughs> she was like you can celebrate my birthday when we're back because i've booked her like as a cottage away at this point for a birthday and um, she was like no alex she was like you've got to go because my one loves cars so if as long as it's car related honestly she'd like let me go to the moon i think to be honest
0: <laughs> you could have been so, in that <laughs> tesla road yeah. that they fired up into space she'd
1: have been like oh it's fine and um, yeah so literally finished work on the thursday got the train down to london that night um stayed in London met up with my friend Then, literally Friday morning went to Chertsey <laughs> turned up in an Uber and there was a red Corvette Stingray just sat there the with, new
0: one with your name on it
1: yeah and I was just I was just like a, I went back to being a kid I was like oh, I was still there smiling at it and uh, <laughs> especially I think after having a couple of years out like I'd, I'd really missed it and yeah just that being kind of my relaunch I think kind of just it couldn't have been better, especially at the one event that i that I left on my list to kind of tick off. Yeah. So there was a lot of emotion involved in it. And, uh, yeah, I drove that to France and just that whole... Because with my age and stuff, I kind of thought, oh, they might you know, have put Johnny on the insurance, not me. Well, I no, not know, you can drive it too. And He's more of a fan of driving classic cars, so I did quite a lot of the driving. Right. So And I kept forgetting that we were driving this car, so we'd pull up at, like, a petrol station in France. And then I turned around and everyone was just staring at us and I was there, like, trying to put fuel in. And um, obviously there was a lot of Brits going over for Le Mans, so I bumped into some really cool people on the way. Because um, it's a right-hand drive Corvette as well, obviously they're quite rare, so a lot of people picked up on that.
0: Yeah, and it's brilliantly ironic that Corvette were like, we want you to take a right-hand drive car to France, <laughs> please, like, of all the cars.
1: Yeah, and, oh, I was just pulling up, pulling up to Le Mans anyway um, to photograph was just amazing, like it gives me goosebumps and it makes me all teary I did cry a lot when I got there to be fair <laughs> and every time I thought about it I'd just get bawling which isn't like me but I suppose it, it shows how much it means to me but yeah and then
0: we were you there with Chevrolet though weren't you so yeah so I was with Chevy and they, pit, pit access yeah so they full shebang
1: um, it was too late to get the accredita- normal media accreditation because it was like the week before and you threw a month before so sadly I couldn't get properly trackside which was a shame, you know, some of the shots I wanted to get, but you just have to make do with what you've got there. Yeah. There's some great places to shoot, and we had full pit access. So, like when they were doing their night pit stops, you know, they'd have me in the garage and things like that. So, they, they accommodated that the best they could, and it was just the people, were fantastic, and it was just the whole event. And I really didn't want to give that car back. I it, bet it was amazing, but yeah, Le Mans was, yeah, it was pretty special, <laughs>
0: I mean. Le Mans is a special place anyway. Amazing to yeah. have that experience connected to it is like yeah. next level.
1: It lived up to everything I thought it'd be a more, and we had really nice weather, which obviously can be quite a miss. But yeah. we had sun the whole weekend as well, which was uh, so I, which was nice. I've
0: been to Le Mans three times, like just as a punter. Yeah. Like this was when I was a kid with my dad before I'd done anything within the car. Like, I've yeah. only been in the car world really for three years, like properly. Yeah, and it was a, a amazing experience. Yeah. I went to the Formula One in, at Spa in yeah. 2018, which, again, was before I'd started doing this. I love Spa. And I had the exact opposite experience. Really? I found it so boring.
1: Yeah. It's nice to
0: be at Spa. Yeah. And-, and it's nice to walk around Spa, and it's nice to have the racing cars there. Yeah. And it's nice to stand at the bottom of Eau Rouge and watch them go up there. But to actually watch the racing is dull. Yeah, You can only get this little 100-yard snapshot.
1: I think I did Spa the most recent time in May I did the Spa Classic. Yeah. Um which was fantastic I love Spa as a circuit to photograph is amazing. Um because even I think even as a spectator they do they're quite accommodating with where you can stand and things like that. Yeah. Um, but being having the media access for that was fantastic because it's a long time since I've shot at Spa but I forgot how amazing it is and the weather was lovely. But with the classic cars, I think on an old circuit like that, having like, you know BMW M ones and you know you know Le Mans Classic era cars I think that's just so much more fun to watch.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's way more exciting. And, like, they,
1: and they really throw them cars around them tracks.
0: <laughs> I would like to do... I want to do Spa, Le Mans and Nürburgring 24 at one point. Yeah. Like, go to each of those. And the Spa Classic and Le Mans Classic, Silverstone Classic. Yeah.
1: Silverstone Classic's a great
0: event. Because they're all so much more interesting. Yeah. Like, you get all the... Because the mi- it's the Classic, it covers such a big time span. 100%. So you get all that mix. And it's like the opportunity to see these cars being absolutely yeah. used rather than just on a like, podium. Like, this yeah. thing was very important one day. It's like, no, this thing's doing 150 down, yeah. like, the Le- most straight or whatever. And
1: I think if I ever had to choose, and I've, I've done a bit of everything over the years, but I think classics and rallying are really my two things that I'd really want to kind of focus on now. Because yeah. as you say, I think in historics as well, it's the people that work on them, like, the passion a lot of them drivers have for them cars because they've driven them cars for so long like it just oozes out and you can tell just from like when you listen to them talk about them how they drive them and it's just you know the history in them cars and I think even like just out of the smell of the fuel and the sound of them engines you just don't get that anymore in modern cars
0: no it's such a different world to be around and there's so much like history and experience and stories and There's a lot of, like, nuance to it as well. So you go and someone goes, oh, this thing's got this specific part that they only did for these three cars. How do you know all of this information? Uh And this is all information from before, like, Google. It's like, oh, yeah, that one's got that special bit, and that one's... How do you know that? Well, you had to have known this guy who had this one, and you had to know this guy from the factory. And you just get such a more, like, immersive world than, oh, these six cars all look exactly the same, and they all have the same spec, and it's all about who can do... 60 laps instead of 61 or whatever, it kind of gets a bit boring.
1: Yeah, I think that's, like, I fully respect and, like, the technology that's in modern racing now and the safety aspect, like, you know, I take my hats off to them, they are amazing. Like, the F1 cars, you know, the build quality of them is amazing, and they've come on a lot. But I think having photographed kind of modern and classics, it just doesn't, if you're, I think, if you're a real car fanatic, there's something just about that old-school era. Mm. You know, when it's just stripped back to kind of man and the machine where you really have to know that car to get that around the track. Yeah, these yeah. days you get a lot corrected for you. And I think, you know, with Classics you have to really be at one with that car to get the most out of it. Yeah. And you, you can see that from the way they're driven and, you know, again, like you said, speaking to people that work on them, like, the knowledge bank that they have on them cars is sensational. It's
0: absolutely wild. Like, there's such a broad variety of characters that you yeah. get and it's, it's so exciting. I, I did... I went to the Goodwood Revival for the first time last year. My
1: favourite event. Like
0: that. I've never been until last year. A friend of mine was like, "Oh, I've got a spare ticket. Yeah, it's we'll take my Austin Healey down." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I had two hours in the hottest car in the world because <laughs> it, it was like it wasn't a racing car but it was like almost race prepared yeah so the exhaust run under the passenger seat yeah so, so out the there. passenger footwell was just like an oven <laughs> so I spent like the whole time on my knees up to my shoulders with the wind we, we, we didn't have the windows it's like they're bolt in or bolt out yeah, yeah. so we won't have them that <laughs> if it rains you just get a left arm that's a bit soggy
1: it was quite a warm one last year as well so yeah so
0: awesome. I had that so we went down in like normal clothes then got changed there yeah so then you arrive and because it's a 1957 one you're in the pre-60s yeah. cars so we pulled up and there was like a 300SL and a DB2 or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, these cars you just don't see. Nah. And then there's a car park full of them. There were two Bentley Blue Train special, like, because the Blue Train car itself wasn't one of these special ones. Yeah. But to commemorate the the, the thing, some of these got built. Like, yeah. There's like two or three of them. And two of them just cruised through the car park. And it's just like a world of like rare yeah. exciting interesting history
1: I think revival just as out of everything I've done it's always my favourite to do of the because I know I'm going to try and like work one of the days and then I'll work two other days and have one day where you just kind of get dressed up and just really absorb the atmosphere because the yeah. attention to detail at that event like you're, it's just second to none like, you know, how they focus on, like, the stalls, even, like, the cleaners, in the, you know, like, the staff all have the old-school outfits on, like... Because yeah. if you didn't know... If you didn't leave that event of the day, it does genuinely feel like it's a complete time machine. Like, yeah. you've gone back. And the cars, the music... It just seems to bring out the best of everyone. Everyone's just having fun.
0: Yeah, everyone really gets into yeah. it, do not they? It's a really, really cool event. Um, and it's, it's like, a real highlight of the year to oh, go and do that. Yeah. I, I've heard the Silverstone Classics got a bit of that.
1: Silverstone Classic's a very good event. I've never done it once... Um, I was going to do it this year, but it's my birthday weekend this year, so I'm, I'm away. I think we're away for it as well. Um, the but that's a, they put on a great, great event as well. Um, even like Donington historically used to be really good as well. Like they've got some. We've got quite a few vintage, I think, like car motorsport festivals. We're quite
0: lucky in the UK that we've got such a rich history of cars. Yeah.
1: We've got so many race circuits as well. Which yeah, is, which is brilliant. Yeah. So there's
0: so much opportunity, especially for someone like you. Like We're sat in a room and there's a wall of <laughs> classic photos. I do
1: keep looking at those. There's like a Bentley
0: <laughs> going around Brooklands and... Uh, some very old Bentley like a not like a blower like a complete like racing car and there's so much history to it all yeah. and uh, I imagine 80% of the cars in these photos still exist
1: oh yeah 100% and
0: someone will be loving having it the, and they'll cherish it and they'll pour all of their time and energy into making sure that it is exactly how it was back yeah. in 1936 or whenever they, they were made and it just there's so much culture and passion to something which is inherently just transport. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's wild how the car world works like that.
1: I think, as well, with this country, we're, we're very unique in terms of, I think, when you go to certain other countries, they're kind of like one specific style of car. Mm. Whereas in the UK, our taste in cars and passion for cars is so varied. Yeah. You, you know, there's a bit of everything, but, but the underlying thing between all that is just the passion for cars in general. And I think we've got such a rich, Kind of variety of that like, in this country, it's something quite rare compared to other countries.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's like if you go to Italy, it's Italian cars. Yeah. if you go to like America, it's muscle and hot rods and yeah. stuff like that. There's some, some in more diversity in America now, yeah. but traditionally, it's been yeah. very much that. And I think you're 100% right. So, for you as a photographer, there's so much to get involved with.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, sometimes it's hard. To, like at the end of the season, I'll look and be like, right what where do i want to go next year you know what do i kind of fancy doing and then you kind of look at all the race calendars as they come out in about october november a lot of them will start to release the dates for next year so i kind of print them all off and kind of look what clashes and you know it's kind of working out what what avenue you want to go down so like I said, there's so many different varieties of things to do now yeah and it's i think sometimes juggling that's a difficult thing and remembering to have a day off um, <laughs> that's kind of pretty commanding at the moment after going back to it After two years i kind of fancy having a bit of a change um as I said, I want to go more into historics and rallying because I, I love rallying. And I think my photography style aids itself to that quite a lot. Yeah. Because I like to add the like landscape stuff into it, whereas on circuits, you know, you're quite limited to that. Whereas the amount of rallies, especially we have in... We've got quite a few rally championships in this country and you've got, like, the European historics and things like that. You've just got a bit more freedom in terms of what you can create behind the lens. Yeah. So I think that's... That's what I'm going to be looking at moving forward, but there's always other things catching my eyes. So. Oh, there's
0: always something to get involved. <laughs> what has been some of like, the biggest challenges you've faced as you've become like a freelance independent? Because I imagine there's been a lot of, not necessarily devaluing, but a lot of perspective or perception of photography is, oh, anyone can do it these I think, days.
1: Yeah, I think probably in this era, it's probably harder than ever because... It's so accessible. Mm. Um, which, in a way, I think is fantastic because you know you, you can be a spectator and come home with a full kind of card of images to look back on. And I think that side of it is fantastic because we've got that ability now to really capture everything and have them visual memories. But at the same time, I think the seriousness has been taken out of photography as a career, in sp- especially in automotive and think motorsport. Yeah. Um, in the undermining that you can get quite a lot where people be offering you know to do it for free
0: oh it's great for exposure because
1: realistically in the world we live in money goes everything yeah. so and if I was a business owner if someone's offering you to it for free when you're trying to save money yeah but obviously that then has taken the seriousness out of it over the years so it is becoming harder and harder I think to make a living out of motorsport photography and especially on the back end of COVID um, when travel costs have gone flying up higher cars flights the, when we have to do all the tests and things obviously touch wood that's not as much of an issue now but There's all that to add into it, so it is quite a hard thing to make money off now. Um, Yeah, yeah. So that's a big challenge, I think, especially the last couple of years.
0: Well, when I've spoken with other kind of automotive photographers, a big part of what they do now is they kind of have to have a much broader range of stuff, along with kind of a portfolio of outlets. So, like, Instagram is now a big thing in terms of if I have 100,000 followers... Mm. I can then become almost like a, not an influencer, but there's some weight to what you say and therefore people will pay you to promote their stuff or photograph their stuff and share your photos of their stuff. I've spoken with ones where they're £1,000 for an Instagram post. And it's stuff like that is now becoming a factor in your career as well as as becoming a great photographer, going to all these events, getting paid to go to them. I also then have to do X, Y and Z. To top up the gap that's been created,
1: I think that's the problem. It's kind of that's definitely that kind of mentality is bleeding into automotive quite heavily. Not so much motorsports, not got quite as bad for that, I don't think yet, but automotive photography in general, like the big brands, seems to like you know, they like to work with people that have got the kind of influence, so to speak, Um, which is, I think, sad at times because you can really. I know some fantastic photographers and they just can't get them it yeah. works so a lot of the best motorsport photographers I know that travelling around the world doing it don't have many followers on Instagram because they're just not bothered about that Yeah, yeah. And, um, but it is I think it's probably something that's in the back of all of us minds now because I'm not a big fan of social media in general like I, obviously I know these days you have to post on it but again Instagram like, don't make it easy to have stuff seen unless you want to pay and I'm not really a big fan of that, so it's...
0: Me neither, which is a pain in the arse for a clothing brand. Yes. Because yeah. that's kind of one of your biggest audiences. Especially with, like,
1: photography now, it's that kind of... You know, the know people need it now, but I think it's something that I've thought about, I think, the past few months of, you know, is it going to impact? But it's either going to go one way or the other way. I think, you know, things will settle down in photography and it'll get taken more seriously again, but obviously the modern world kind of...
0: I it's hard, I mean, and as the people running the companies and stuff are limited in their knowledge. Mm. They see someone like me turns up with a mobile phone and takes some good photos, and then they compare that to you and your photography work, and it's very clear that your skill set is much higher. And they go, well, how much does A versus B? Oh, well, if they can just take a couple of photos yeah. on their phone, that'll be enough for us. And it immediately kind of wipes out half of your accessibility for you, yeah. which is half of your livelihood, like yeah. potentially then
1: it's it, yeah I think like that is the downside I think to social media and the ease of and the, the, just how good technology's got in general things like that um, but obviously it's something we're all having to adapt to it's just yeah. it's just at the moment I think for a lot of us it, it's kind of weighing up how to kind of overcome that and it is being made harder as I say by the travel costs and everything that have come into play at the moment with just how the kind of world is in general at the moment 100% so like I like you mentioned with other photographers about to kind of diversify a bit I think coming back like I've been doing some work for some auction sites you know photographing auction car stuff because there's always want for that and it's just that paying the bills side yeah and I think the motorsport side at the moment probably I'm probably not alone with saying this but it's kind of more the passion project so just while things settle down with travel and that you know you kind of break even on that but that isn't really the money maker in a lot of ways Um, because the money in it can be quite lacking um it's more just because I love doing it. I'm doing that, them jobs, and then doing the other stuff in the background to kind of fund fund that. Fund
0: the passion, so to speak. Which yeah. is, it's a chat, like I'm in a similar boat in terms of the, the brand and the clothing and stuff. Yeah. It's not a full-time thing. Ho- hopefully as it continues, it will grow to that. But I've recently changed careers into something that yeah. is more creative because I enjoy doing it. Yeah. So if I can build up more skills and get better at doing something creative, it will only help yeah, transfer across to, to the stuff that I do for, a, for a, it takes a lot of passion and energy to do yeah. and it is interesting to kind of balance your life around that kind of well, I needed x amount of this to pay the bills, yeah and x amount of this to enjoy what I do, yeah. and if I can do enough of the stuff that I enjoy, I can tolerate the stuff that pays the bills 100%. much yeah. more. Because as soon as the stuff that pays the bills detracts from your quality of life and makes you feel like shit, then you're like, right now I've got to rethink my whole plan again.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of where I was at a few months ago. Um, Obviously with COVID and travel and events, just kind of nose diving off the face of the earth. I took a day job on and was working like three jobs um, to pay the bills and things like that. So I kind of carried that well into this year because I wasn't sure whether we were going to go into another lockdown, obviously things were still quite volatile. But I had that same kind of battle of self where I was absolutely petrified of kind of rebuilding it again because I think, because all my heart and soul, you know, I love photography and that's kind of what I've, and because I've already had it, I know what I had to lose if I couldn't do it again. Yeah. So I think the fear was a lot heavier this time around. But at the same time, I was with a fantastic company, you know, they they were great and they knew that at some point I was gonna leave for doing photography again. But I just wasn't happy in that and it was getting to the point where every day I dreaded waking up to do it. Yeah. So it got to a point where I thought, Yeah, I'm gonna be a bit skimp for a few months, well I kind of you now have that middle ground between the two, but it's thinking about your own sanity I think at that point.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a certain amount of we're on this planet for one go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Enjoy it where you can. And a lot I think a lot of people don't make that as much of a priority as they should. No, I think it's it, that I've got to chase the job and the career yeah. and the next promotion and the next holiday. Yeah. And it's, so yeah, but how much of your life are you giving away to someone yeah. else?
1: I think as well that's how we, I think as a society, especially at this end of like Europe, we're brought up like that, aren't we? So it's you know when anyone kind of wants to break that mould, I think it's got better. Don't be wrong, but when you're trying to break that mould, a lot of people will shoot you down really heavily for it.
0: Yeah, I imagine that's been a real challenge for you. A, as a young person, B, as a girl in a very <laughs> heavily male in, like industry, yeah. and C, in a, the current economic climate and stuff like that, it must have been such an extra hurdle.
1: I think I've, I've toughened up a lot now, I don't get me wrong, because I've had to do, because I think if you want to do this kind of job you have to kind of really harden up to, you're going to get quite a lot of criticism. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm very, very, very fortunate that when I first started off, a lot of the most fantastic photographers I know were really sportive. Yeah. And, you know, I'm still, I've met a lot of friends for life. I've been friends for 10 years now. Um, and for the most part, I had a really good kind of reception when I started off in it. But I think when you flash back seven, eight years ago, there wasn't as many women in it at that time. And it was quite hard at first because, you know, you'd have a lot of photographers that were probably at the like elder end um, male photographers and they'd, they'd been doing it a long time so that I suppose they kind of only know one kind of path and a lot of them did make it quite hard for me and you get kind of derogatory comments and stuff which obviously I'm not a fan of and I don't think there's any place like in any industry or anything like that um, especially in photography because to me you've either got the, an eye for it or you don't and you're pressing a button on a camera so you, I don't think you need to be a man to do that but <laughs> you know you'd have a good or you're not I think are not you and, I think it definitely got better, but, yeah, it's, it's been tough at times, and, you know, I've had people try and... Like you said, being young and female probably wasn't the best combination at the time, because, especially when you've had people doing it 40 years, I think when someone young comes in, naturally you get that kind of feeling of threat. Yeah. Because you, you're probably... I mean, I might have felt the same at that point, but you get into the end of your career, mm. so you've got that panic coming in. So I think we all know when we get to the end, you kind of know, and then... You know, a lot of them, there's still quite a lot of sexism in it in a lot of ways. Um, so it was, it's definitely been tough at times, but, and you still see it like when you walk, when I'm walking up and down pit lanes and stuff, you know, you still see some people like looking at you and like I'll say hi to someone that you don't even get a response, but for the most part, like I just don't let it bother me now. Yeah. Um, because I want to show like other, not just women, but like, you know, other like younger generations that just want to be photographers or whatever they're doing, you know, that to persevere in that like that's kind of one of the reasons I got back into it after Covid because I didn't want to quit because of that and I say for the most part it's come on a lot Um, you know you've got so many different like organisations and even the FAA having you know like the women in motorsport movements and things it's come on a lot but I still think there's a long way to go
0: yeah 100% Uh, it's still a very bloke focused thing yeah and I can't say much I'm doing a lot to try and help the industry around blokes and cars like
1: it's yeah, that's a, a men, thing. mental health you're, yeah. not, you're not shunning like, no no a I'm not, to you. you're, not like, shunning
0: <laughs> you're not a woman get away from here
1: <laughs> no
0: I had someone comment on a Facebook I think it was either an ad or something like that the other day oh, why don't you have them in women's sizes it's like it's unisex there's nothing that says that you can't wear it I mean I always buy you're guys t-shirts it.
1: anyway so I can't really yeah <laughs> well,
0: so I said like it's unisex so we're not discriminating yeah. against like buy whatever you want and then I posted, like in the reply, it was like, here's a photo of, I think it was Grace wearing a T-shirt. Yeah. I was like, I have no problem, but it's men's mental health that I'm focusing on because inherently blokes don't talk and blokes are car enthusiasts. Oh, no,
1: yeah. But that doesn't yeah. mean that
0: women can't get involved yeah. in I mean, any I, way. It's I, I just.
1: I 100% think we need more you know, scope on men's mental health because obviously, like with the suicide stats and things like that, it is something.
0: 75% yeah. of all suicides are black. And
1: I've, you know, obviously. I've been working in cars I've got a lot of guy friends and you know I've spoke to a lot of them when they're going through stuff and like on the surface when I see them on social media like, you'd never know anything was wrong yeah. I think sometimes I find it easy talking to me because obviously yeah, yeah. You, I, think, I think some people still feel a bit daft talking to their mates about it which is such a, it shouldn't be a thing I think again it's getting better with people like yourselves pushing it but it still really saddens me that so many feel that they can't talk yeah, guess, like,
0: it. and a lot of blokes feel like they can't talk to their male friends yeah. because there's that like ego and bravado yeah. and all that sort of thing and to be fair them having you as a female friend is probably quite helpful <laughs> but at the same time it's it shouldn't be that they can only talk to you no. they should be able to talk to their no. other mates and hopefully having kind of people like yourself on board will help with that because it's the more that we kind of make it commonplace the more likely people will do it because there's yeah. less fear around it it's getting better,
1: yeah,
0: and hopefully it will continue to improve. And hopefully through cars and that sort of stuff, it yeah. will help as well because it's inherently a blokey thing to be oh, fix my old car and get covered in grease and oil and stuff like that.
1: I think, especially in motorsport as well, like the automotive world, I think in general is getting a lot better, but motorsport's still
0: such a competitive industry as well. Which and is mental a health-wise,
1: it's still very because I think again you've got that kind of bravado of you know like a race driver and yeah it's that's because even when I first mentioned like my battle with depression 2017 time I was actually told by someone quite high up in motorsport um that I shouldn't ever mention it because it makes me unmarketable yeah which for a long time then you know I went through a really rough year in like 2018 and I had a really bad time with mental health like I didn't say anything because I was like something I really want to do yeah obviously at that age you're quite kind of Impacted by what people say, like now obviously I, I know better than that. But you know, them kind of opinions, I just think, well, would you rather someone commits suicide than speaks about it? And yeah. Because I, I said that. Well, they'll be the
0: first person. Oh, I wish they'd have said talk yeah. to me. It's like well, you told me not to say. anything how me. I look at it
1: now, and obviously I didn't then. I, you know, I panicked quite a lot then because I was early on in my career, and I, you know, I didn't want to kind of be hated by people. I think and now I'm not as bothered, but yeah now my opinion is if if you have that opinion I don't want to work with you like I would rather take the hit profit wise and career wise than work for someone like that because it just goes against everything that I believe in so
0: yeah and I, I think it's good to have that mindset and I think it's also one of those if you are a strong enough person to say no you'll get this reputation for doing your thing yeah and the people that like what you do will go well I know that's what they do because they only do their thing, yeah, and their thing is what I want. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever you want, you become kind of vanilla. Yeah. And nobody kind of picks up on it.
1: No, I think we see that a lot in. Again, it's changed a bit now. I think you know like we've got some great influences like Amy, Sean, and stuff in photography, and you know we've got a lot more females in it now. But I think when I first started off, everyone kind of because anyone that knows my work knows, and I'm horrendous at blowing my own trumpet on this. This is going to pain me to say this, but it's. Quite, a, I've got quite a unique style of shooting because I'm very much about telling a story. Because yeah. um, I just believe there's a lot more to a photo of a car than the car, as weird as that sounds. So I always try and, you know, kind of make it come to life in front of someone. So, like when I've done rallying, you know, I want someone to look at that and be able to actually visualise the car going through the trees, you know, smell the fuel and really kind of take you there so that, like, that moment's really captured in that photo. Yeah, And I remember when I first started doing that, you know, some of the how was it me at the time, said to me, you know, you need to be a lot more editorial, Like, you know, this is not how we do things. You need yes. to just shoot a front end of a car, that's it. But then my opinion on that was at the time, and obviously sometimes you have to do that, you know, some newspapers and that want that, and that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. But my opinion on that is, well, if everyone else is doing that, you don't need me here then. Like, yeah,
0: and you can pay six people over there to take that. No, that, and right?
1: especially in creative subjects, I think the beauty of... The creative industries is that it is very individual mm. and you know I think you've got to go with that Cause I think you do your best work as well when you're passionate about what you're doing and
0: yeah nobody's going up to an artist and <laughs> it's like oh stop painting that way just do a portrait please
1: exactly all
0: we want is all portraits that look exactly like the thing it's like yeah. well, that's not the point of art and photography is an art it's not a, yeah. yes it's capturing an image and it you can go this is what this thing looks like but at the same time, it is an artwork.
1: Yeah, and I do, I do try and push that side of it. I think when I speak to people about it, of you know, like if people ever ask me for advice or anything, I'm like, you know, obviously you've got your fundamental skill sets that you ne- you kind of need to know. Yeah. But then I'm like, you know, try new things. Like, you know, if you think, you know, really look around, you look at stuff that other people aren't looking at. You know, take a step back from where you stood. Like, there's so many opportunities, and I think when you first start in it, you very much get kind of tunnel visioned into. I've got to do it. Stand on that corner, take the photo that everyone else is standing at, but. You know, if you if your instinct saying, I don't want to do that, like you've got to follow that.
0: Yeah, there's, it's one of those where you kind of have to fight the fear of pu- putting your neck above the power of it kind of yeah. thing. Like it's, there's the people that do go their own way and fail, and there's the people that go their own way and succeed, yeah. and you have to believe that you can be the one that succeeds, yeah. but also be conscious that not everybody does. Yeah. Be realistic about it. But I think that's much better than just being the guy that stays hidden away and does exactly what they're told.
1: I've always rather failed I think and 19 year old me was very much I can do anything yeah Um, just because it's that lack of fear because I was like why not you know why can't I? what's the worst that can happen exactly so I'd have always in a silly state I'd rather you know be true to myself because I just it's just how naturally I photograph. Like I, you know, that's how my brain operates. I can't really change that. But I'd rather fail doing that and being true to myself and that than kind of mold myself into something I'm not. Cause yeah. I think, you know. What's got, the point then? Exactly. Yeah. And I, would feel like a fraud all the time, and I just don't think that's you know.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, you got to go to bed comfortable with who you are. Don't you? Yeah. And if, if all you've done is sold your soul to a corporate life, then if that's what you want. Great. If that's oh, yeah. not who you are, then you kind of have to. Exactly. As we said, you only get one go at this. Yeah, I think because
1: I'm so passionate about, you know, inspiring younger generations and stuff, and even people have gone through sport. You know, like people have been told they can't do something, and just being yourself, and you know that being enough. I have to really live for that. Otherwise, you know, if I'm telling everyone that comes through, be yourself, but you know, take the same photo that everyone else on the circuit's doing, that's yeah. not, you know, I. That's not the message I really want to put across. But if, you know, if people want to do that style, nothing wrong with that. Like I know some fantastic photographers that you know, do that. They've made amazing careers out of it. But it's just, I think it's just about whatever you're doing, just following your gut on that.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right on that. Um, well, we've hit the hour mark. Yes. Magically for someone that doesn't like to talk or <laughs> blow their own trumpet and is an introvert you've managed to chat for an hour
1: if you get me talking about something I'm passionate about I'm alright I'm northern so I talk a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've not had any bovril which is good no. just stuck to the water I ain't not even
1: had a Yorkshire tea
0: so. we bought PG tips in co-op yesterday uh, so uh,
1: well, everyone's got flaws at so we okay. had to
0: go through the self service we, we couldn't have gone to the till we're in Yorkshire and we didn't buy Yorkshire tea you told
1: me that before we did this podcast so I've had to cancel you see I, that's why I waited till <laughs> after the
0: hour mark so we had PG Tips. Last night. <laughs> Um, But I think it's been a really nice hour of chat. and I wouldn't want to try and kind of ask vague stuff just to try and keep going. No. I think we've had a really good hour. I've
1: really enjoyed it.
0: And your passion and your kind of enthusiasm for what you do has really come through, which is really the idea of kind of having these chats is to learn a bit more about the different things that go on and the different people that exist and the different ways that passion presents itself and this has been a really great one for that. Thank you. So I think we should wrap it there and the only thing left is where can people find your work?
1: So obviously because, you know, we're in the modern world now. Um, I use Instagram quite a lot. Um, that's just under my name. So obviously Alex Denham. Um, I've got my website as well, which is alexdenham.com. They're my main two I use, and then I do do, obviously, other bits and publications and things like that, but I'd say for up-to-date stuff now, it's probably my website and Instagram is probably your best.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll send people there. I'll add links in the, uh, the description and stuff like that. But thank you so much for coming along. Thank you for And for me. sitting in this very hot room for an hour. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to click stop.